0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from our lead pastor, Dave Carroll, as we continue our series, Major League All-Stars of Bible. Let's join in now. Many of you know by now, but some of you don't, that my wife Amy and I and our four boys, we moved from uh, near West Palm Beach, Florida, near Miami, Florida, uh, just about a year ago to start Elevation Church. And, and so that means that everything in Montana that there is to do I carry the uh, big badge of rookie. Okay, (laughs) just so you know, I'm a rookie at nearly everything in Montana. Uh, You know, I saltwater fish, but I I don't really know how to fly fish, and I have to learn that. So don't count it against me. Okay? Isn't there anybody walking out? Anybody walking out? No? Okay. Uh, Well, one of the first time, one of my rookie uh, expeditions was to Yellowstone National Park about uh, three weeks ago, and. I was excited to see what it was like, and really, I felt like the Beartooth Pass was the best part of, of the whole trip. I don't know how many of you feel that way, but the Beartooth Pass is incredible. But uh, sometime in between the Beartooth Pass and Yellowstone Park, I was turning around talking to my boys, you know, they're 10, 9, 3, and 1, and, and I, I look back to, to say, hey, isn't this so amazing? Only to see them on their iPod, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Only to see them on their iPod. And I'm thinking, man... they're trading in the everyday thing that they can see all the time. You know, the video game that they can purchase and and press play on a whim and see it at any place in the world. And here we're at, uh, easily, one of the most magnificent parks in the entire world, and they're watching the iPod. And and today, I want to ask you to trade in the iPod, For the beauty of God, do you get what I'm saying today? Uh, uh, Today's message and the and the character part that we're learning from Elijah is no more normal. Okay, now if you would turn to your neighbor and say, "You're not normal anyway, so you're going to be good at this." Okay, right? Okay, if you came in here, if you came in here and you're normal, guess what? You may have come to the wrong place uh, because we're some people who need Jesus. Amen. And so as we learn this part of character, we're going to tie some of the the things we've learned the past few weeks. We're going to need this week, especially last week, learning uh, the the character study of Ruth and her commitment. We're going to need that to build on it and and to ditch normal. And really, uh, by ditching normal, we're really saying, I want the power of God to be first and foremost in my life. And some of you know what it means to live by the power of God, and others of you know what it means just to do church or to be religious, and you wonder why there's this disconnect. Well, today we're going to connect the dots. So, uh, you know, just like my boys traded in the beautiful scenery of the Beartooth Pass and of Yellowstone Park occasionally until I took the iPhone from them and said, you will look at this, right? You will do it. I promise. You have to. It's a rule. I sounded like Seinfeld right there, I think. Um uh, <laughs> But we trade in many things, don't we, as, as adults and as teenagers, single adults, married people. We trade in a lot of the, the, the ordinary thing. You know, we miss the extraordinary for the ordinary. We trade in miracles that God wants to do for money because we pursue money instead. We, we trade in love for lust. We trade, trade in the unbelievable for the believable. We trade in God's presence so that we can have earthly power in this life. We trade in God's grace so that we can have a grip on life for ourselves so that we can be in control. We trade in character for corruption. We trade in forgiveness so that we can live fake lives, right? We don't come clean, do we? Uh, We we don't come clean before the Lord and before others. No, we'd rather live a fake life and not experience God's forgiveness and others' forgiveness. We trade in God's word for cuss words sometimes, don't we guys? Yep. Yep. And we trade in the supernatural for the selfish. And I'm here to tell you today that you need to ditch normal, much like Elijah ditched normal. You have to do it because uh, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of normal in this life. You know what normal is? Normal is broken down. I'm tired of normal churches, normal churches are where people come and they do their hour, and then they wonder why, hey, why is this God thing not working? And they come, and there's no Bibles open. Now, if you came today without a Bible, or you're new to church, that's okay. Hey, we're going to give grace for people to get there, aren't we? For, for people to get where God needs them to go, but we're going to be loving enough to tell you, hey, this is where God is expecting. This is where the Bible says we need to go. Um, you know, we need to be a church that is vibrant for Christ, that is out there doing. I love uh, when we sang, Savior, he can move the mountains, that in this room, it filled with praise with our voices. Isn't isn't that the kind of church you want to be a part of? Not not a spectator church, but a church that's engaged in the presence of God. That is who we need to be. And so here is your... uh, your first, it's not really a blank, but your first point. And if you're taking notes, I I encourage you to take notes if you never have before, try it today for the first time. You'll be surprised at what God does in your mind. Um, Here's the first thing I want you to know. Ditching normal requires living in God's power instead of our own. Ditching normal requires us to live in God's power instead of our own. So many of us want to get out of the mundane in life But we never figure out how to engage the power of God and how to have the power of God uh, go through us. You know, we're looking for for band-aids all the time. We'll talk more about that later. So I want us to read this verse together, everyone. It's on the screen or it's in your program. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Let's read it aloud together. One, two, three. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that is what we're aiming for with the power of God. We're not trying to be special when we do it. We're not trying to be holier than thou. We're not trying to be super spiritual, you know, and and, and holy rollers. No, we're simply trying to prove that good and perfect and holy will of God when when we try to ditch normal and live in God's power. And we'll come back to that verse and it'll mean a whole lot more by the end of today. Now, Let's talk about Elijah for a second. Elijah was one of these guys uh, who lived from about eight, somewhere uh, 874 B.C. and through the 8th century uh, B.C. So this is where he is, and he was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. If you're new to the Bible, uh, Israel in the Old Testament had two kingdoms, had a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. And uh, Elijah was a prophet to the northern side. Uh, the southern side was called Judah but he was a prophet to Israel. Now, Elijah was a guy who ditched normal. If you've never heard much about Elijah, check this out because you're gonna go, this guy not only ditched normal, he was just downright weird, okay? (laughs) He was downright weird, but he had this exciting life where he was always trusting God. He was always having to depend on God and so here's what happened. Uh, Elijah, just so you know, was one of the guys that appeared at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 9. So uh, when Peter, James, and John went up, there was Elijah standing on the mountain several hundred years after he, was, after he had died. And we'll talk about his death here in a second. Um, Elijah actually ate food. Fed to him by ravens. He was on the ground, ravens flew in, and they fed him. Pretty, pretty not normal, right? Or unless some of you, is that normal for anybody? Okay, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, Elijah, he he died by being, by being taken up to heaven by God in a chariot of fire with horses of fire. Can you believe that? So this guy, the way he he went out was in a chariot of fire in heaven. And some of you may go, well, did Elijah really die? It's not really part of the study today, but if you need to know, John uh, 3.13, Jesus says uh, that nobody has ascended to heaven and descended except for the Son of Man. Uh, And so he's saying all the prophets have died, and we find that over in Hebrews 11 too. And so uh, we know that Elijah did die, but he did it with style. Okay, I'll tell you that. Uh, One of my prayers is like, God, when you take me out, can it be in a chariot of fire going to heaven? That would rock, okay? I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, How about this? He raised a boy to life, much like Jesus did with uh, Jairus' daughter, right? Uh, He he came into a widow uh, who was there to feed him, who didn't have any food, by the way, and he had to make food out of nothing. It was pretty amazing, pretty amazing miracle. Uh, and, And so Elijah raised her boy to life. He ran out of breath, and Elijah came in the room, and all of a sudden, he had breath pretty not normal, huh? He ditched normal all the time. And then check this out. He wasn't one of these guys that uh, the king of Israel really knew much about. A lot of times prophets were kind of like thorns in king's sides uh, back in the Old Testament. You know, prophets came and a king would go, oh, great. There's, you know, there's Isaiah again. There's Jeremiah complaining about everything. Oh, you know, this guy always comes. Well, Elijah was one of these guys who came from nowhere. One day God spoke to him and he said, go up to King Ahab. And that was uh, that was the king at the time, and his wife Jezebel, who was ruthless. Uh, quick Bible note for the se- for just a quick second. For some reason, my mom was mad at my pastor, and one day, one uh, Halloween night at a at like a Jesus birth, birth, uh, party or instead of a Halloween party, my mom dressed me up as Jezebel because they said I could only be a Bible character, and she wanted to make me Superman or something. I don't know. And so she like stuck it into my pastor. Here, I'll make him a Bible character. There's so much wrong with that. I can't even go into it right now. Okay, yes, if you didn't catch it, if you're new, Jezebel was the queen, all right? I, I come back, and I'm like, Mom, so what were you doing, you know? That's why I'm raising my boys, you know, my boys kind of, they, uh, Aiden and Drew, my older two, say, uh, that anything, anytime the three-year-old picks up something pink, they're like, put that down now, you know? And I think that, yeah, I think that I, uh, I probably drilled that in after my Jezebel experience. But, <clears throat> uh, so here's what happens. Uh, Elijah is told... By God, and he's not really anybody at this point, right? He's just—he's just a dude just sitting there, kind of like you and I, normal guy. And and God says, Elijah, go up to the king and to his wife Jezebel, who will uh, just hate you for this. And I want you to tell them that it's not going to rain in all of Israel until you say it can. <laughs> Uh, and so Elijah goes and he goes up to the king, appears. He's not really anybody at this point. Uh, the king doesn't necessarily know that. And Elijah stands before him and says, King Ahab, I have a word from the Lord from you that it's not going to rain in the whole nation. We're going to uh, experience famine. Uh, it's, gonna, it's not going to rain until I say it can. <laughs> and, and so this is the backdrop right here. I told this last one on purpose because it's the backdrop for what happens in our Bible passage today. Uh, because this really hacks King Ahab off, and more importantly, it hacks Jezebel off, and uh, they did not worship God. They worshiped the Canaanite God, Baal, right? That's who, the, that's who they worshiped, and this this uh, God, Baal, was, uh, they, they thought that he was some God that uh, provided lightning and thunder and rain, and he was the God who uh, gave, uh, he, that's what they thought. Anyway, they, they thought he was the God who made the ground fertile, okay? So for Elijah to say, hey, uh, it's not going to rain until I say it is. That was like a big cut in the face of their false god. It was huge. It was huge. And so you see that there's some tension, just a little bit, right? A little bit of tension between Elijah and Ahab and Elijah and Jezebel at this point. And this is where we pick it up. Everybody turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 20 through 40 today. And, and so here is your first blank today. You may say, Dave, what does it take to ditch normal And live by the power of God. Well, from Elijah's life, here's your first blank, it takes confidence in God. It takes confidence in God. And we'll talk a little bit about what kind of confidence we need to have and how we get it. And and so uh, here we go. Let's pick it up in 1 Kings 18, verse 20. And here is what Elijah gets himself into this time because he ditched normal and lived for the power of God. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, you ready? You know who's at this place? All the children of Israel, the whole northern kingdom shows up. So an entire nation is watching what's about to incur. And, the, and they gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. These are the false prophets, right? These are the prophets who served Canaan and some other gods. And Elijah came to all the people. You ready for this? This guy's a stud. I love Elijah. He, said, he came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. You see, they weren't just serving Canaan. They were trying to mix a false God with the real God. Don't we do that a lot in this life? We we try to mix and match things so that we can be comfortable. And this is exactly what Elijah is confronting. And then Elijah said to the people, this is how not normal he was. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. So at this point in time in Israel, how many prophets were there in Israel? One. He was it. He was it. But Baal's prophets are how many? 450 men. You see what mixing and matching does to, to our culture? Do you see what it does to our hearts as Christians? Many times it tips the scale. You know, we think that we're getting just enough of the world to make us comfortable, just enough of God to, to, to make him happy because that's what we're trying to do. and we miss, We're missing the point. But usually it tips the scales just like that 450 to one because the world grabs hold of our heart and we let, we let the world run us. So this is what uh, he says in verse 23. Check this out. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. This is a great idea. He's the only prophet up against 450. He says, Let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. So he's saying, You guys can even choose the bull you want. Let's cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. Put no fire under it. And I will prepare the bull and lay it on the wood, but I will put no fire under it either. So verse 24 Then you call in the name of your gods, little g and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. What a huge challenge, right? This guy, man, it, there, you know, he's out on a limb where it's either God's gonna come through for Elijah or he's dead, right? It's a wonder why he's even alive in the first place, even before this. And I love this last part. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And I bet Elijah was standing back going, You bet it is. This is going to be fun. Yeah, you think it's a good idea? So do I. That's why I came up with it, because I trust that God is powerful. And so, Elijah, I want you to see this. Do you see what's happening here in Scripture, how he's up against 450 prophets? He's up against a king and a queen who utterly hate him. He's up against a nation that's undecided. And here he has this blazing, brash confidence in his God that God can save him. Where in your life have you lacked confidence that God can save, that he's mighty to come in and do something radical? Where in your life have you let normal, have you let the everyday things Kill your confidence that our God is strong, that our God is mighty, that God can radically change and radically lead your life in a way that is full of joy and full of peace, and and, and it's satisfying. Where is that place that you've traded it in? Elijah was a guy who didn't trade it in. The reason why he could live by God's power is because he had confidence in the person of God. Here are the three things that I see in the confidence uh, that he had in God. Check this out. The first one is resolve. Elijah had resolve. He walked up in front of the entire nation, and even though they said, well, we're not sure, what happened when he asked them, hey, who are you going to serve? They didn't even say a word. Everyone was quiet. But Elijah, Elijah said, you know what? Even though the entire nation is headed away, is headed into sin, is headed away from God, even though the entire nation has 450 prophets dedicated to the false things of this world that, that lead you straight to hell instead of to heaven, Elijah says, I have this resolve that even though the world is going this way, I am headed to God and that is my decision. Now, remember Ruth last week? Last week, Ruth had the character of commitment. That's what we studied in Ruth. And here's the verse that we said. It's in 2 Timothy 1.12. If you didn't uh, write this down, uh, just write down the, the, the reference there. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, I know whom I've believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to God until that day, meaning the day that he returns, Right? And so this is Elijah's commitment. He says, it doesn't matter what's coming at me in this life. It doesn't matter all the things that are pulling me down. It doesn't matter what my friends say. It doesn't even matter what the culture I live in says. I have made up my mind that it is God and God only for me. Have you made that decision? Have you made up your mind? It's God's way or bust. There's no other choices. That's the kind of resolve he had. Here's the next thing he had. Uh, and his confidence in God. He had a huge reach. Here's what I love about Elijah. He was a nobody. How many of you have ever felt like a nobody, right? Like, hey, I'm just a number in this great big world. Well, here's what Elijah knew. By God's power, I am no longer a nobody. I am his instrument for his glory, and I can even touch an entire nation. God pulled him out of nowhere There was no reason for him to be a prophet. He didn't have this great lineage, except for that God had called him. And today, I want you to know that you can have this amazing reach in this world by having confidence in your God and ditching normal, but you have to do things that not everybody is doing. You have to listen to God in ways that no one else is listening. You know what? It's it's not normal for a guy, I'm I'm living this experience right now. It's not normal for a guy to move 2400 miles and stick a flag in the ground and say he's planting a church. But you want to know what? When you live by the power of God, the reach expands. It expands every time with confidence in your God. And the third thing that I see in his confidence in God, and you can write this down, and this is the third element of this confidence, is risk. We risk so many things for so little all the time and we rarely ever risk our lives for God. Rarely ever. It's hard to speak of him, isn't it? It's hard to go to work and witness. If you're like me, it's hard. You know, I'm not natural. You may think, oh, you're a pastor. You could do it. No, it's just as hard for me as it is for you. But you know what? We have to begin taking risks. We'll risk our marriage on pornography on the computer, right? We'll risk our finances by making big purchases that we can't afford. We'll risk our children, by not investing in them and spending time with them and leading them, we'll make all kinds of risks. And for, for what? For nothing. But we need to begin to put our life out on the line and risk for God. And here's the good thing about God. He always comes through when you obey. He always comes through. His timing is not always our timing. And there are times where you go, Whoa wait a second, where are you? But I can tell you this, stop risking the normal things of life that are going to rip apart your, your marriage, that are gonna rip apart your relationships, that are gonna rip apart your finances, rip apart your family, rip apart your friendships. Stop risking there and start risking and taking steps of faith for a God who always is faithful, forever he is faithful. And so that is our confidence in God. And so I want to ask you a question. Maybe sit down and write, write this down. If you had to rate your confidence in God right now, just your confidence that he can come through in any situation, one through 10, one being, I don't know, 10 being, yes, I completely trust him. Where would it be? what would your confidence in God be? Because this is the building block for ditching normal and living in God's power. No confidence in God means you're stuck in normal, okay? <laughs> you're, you're, you're stuck in, in everyday life just doing the grind, not experiencing the joy, focusing on all the things that are wrong. What number is that? I wanna encourage you this week to pray and ask God to raise that number, even one number. If you're a four, pray and ask God to raise it to a five. If you're a seven, pray and ask to raise it to a nine. If you're a one, say, God, will you just show yourself to me so I can be confident in you, so I can learn? Be confident, all right? And now the next blank, write this down. Understanding the role of human effort. Ditching normal and living God's power requires us to understand the role of human effort. And so here we're going to look in uh, verse 26, actually verse 25, and we're going to read all the way to verse 35, and check this out. This is what happens. So Elijah is there and he's, he's laid it all out, all right? He's laid it on the line, and this is what happens. I love this passage right here because this is the difference between someone living in God's power. It's so obvious. This is such a great word picture, and people who are just trying to get by in life, who are trying to appease God, trying to do religion, and people who are trying to do relationship. Uh, 1 Kings 18.25 says this. Let's read it together. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, "'Choose one bull for yourselves,' And prepare it first, for you are many. Call in the name of your God, but put no fire under it. This is a pretty big test, huh? It's supposed to catch on fire. Nobody's doing anything. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. So you're getting this? They woke up. They started calling on Baal. Noon, <laughs> noontime comes, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was what? No voice and who answered? No one. They leaped about the altar. Can you get this? I would dance for you right now to show you what's happening, but you don't want to see that. Okay? You better be thankful that I serve the most high God because I don't do a jig, you know? I don't I just don't roll that way. But here they go. So they leaped about the altar which they had made, right? They start leaping, they start doing crazy things. Crazy things. Trying to appease God, and if you're here today and you're just trying to do church, just so you can appease God and make Him happy, so you can have some band aids stuck on your life, guess what? You're doing it all wrong. You're no different than the people dancing on the altar. And so it was at noon. I love this, and this is this is Elijah right here. Not normal, man. Not normal. Elijah mocked them and said, "Cry aloud, for he is God. He is a God, little G." Either he is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and has to be awakened. You know, he was actually mocking them because um, Baal was known as a contemplating type of God. They always thought he was in deep thought. And so he's like, hey, really what he's trying to say is maybe you've caught him like in the restroom or something like that, right? Um, That's how he's mocking him. And so perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awake. Verse 28 says, so they cried aloud And cut themselves. You see how crazy this this is getting? People trying to appease God, people trying to do normal life and and, and trying to do life their way on their terms, hoping that something good can happen. It gets nuts. And we know that in Leviticus 1928, God forbids cutting yourself. If you're here today and you're thinking about suicide, stop. It's foolishness. It's worthless. Doesn't solve anything. Doesn't solve anything. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom. They did this all the time with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when the midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. That's a long day, isn't it? But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. That's a lot of people, right? That's a heck of a lot of people. That's a whole nation. And all the prophets from of Jezebel, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. This is very important in verse 30. If you want to underline that, underline that. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You see, the people had torn down all the, pro, all the altars of the one true God, and they had built false idols in their life. And Elijah took 12 stones. According to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, there were twelve tribes of Jacob, twelve tribes in Israel, and then you have a thirteenth with the Levites who weren't counted, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, "Israel shall be your name." Then, with the stones, check this out. He built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two says of seed and He put the word in uh, the wood in, the, in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid on, uh, laid it on the wood, and said. I love this. And this is where you're understanding the role of human effort and the power of God is important. Everybody check in to verse 33 through 35. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. How confident was this guy in God? Huge. Then he said, do it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. Wow. This guy, he wants to live by the power of God. He's cutting out anything that can be his own power. And here's what we can learn from the role of human effort from Elijah. You ready for this? It's kind of like the preacher and the cab driver. Have you heard this joke before? It's not theologically correct, but it makes a good point. You ready? So a preacher and a cab driver get to heaven, and uh, the preacher looks over at the cab driver. The cab driver has this huge crown, right? The, the Bible mentions five crowns uh, that, that are possible for the believer, right, in the New Testament when we get to heaven. And so uh, the preacher looks over and says, Man, this crown is huge. It has lots of diamonds on it. The cab driver, and he looks at his crown and says, Man, it's really small. And and, uh, he says, God, what's up? Why did I get this little crown? And he got this big crown. And he said, well, that's because uh, what you were doing wasn't as effective as what you thought you were doing. He goes, how so? I mean, I proclaimed your word, and he just drove people around. He goes, well, while you were preaching, people slept. But while the cab driver was driving, people prayed. So he gets the bigger crown. He gets the bigger crown. And, And so, you know, sometimes... You have to realize this: the role of human effort. Sometimes we are trying to do so much, and really, what we're doing is we're trying to make our, ourselves feel good, right? And we're not really stopping to see is what we're doing pleasing God, is what we're doing depending on God, is what we're doing counting on God. And so, um, the first thing you need to know is to stop wasting you, uh, stop wasting effort, stop wasting effort on religion, stop wasting effort trying to solve your own stuff, your own junk. Here's the second thing. Do the obvious that God has asked you to do and leave the rest to him. Where did Elijah put his hands to work? He put his hands to work on an altar, right? He, he just went to work and he built an altar. While the, while the prophets of Baal, they built an a- altar. They said, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna dance. But they started dancing. They started, they started doing all these things. They were cutting themselves, doing all this freak show kind of stuff. And here's Elijah, you know what, he he says, you know what, God, he's a dependable God. I can trust him. What he says, I can understand. And and I know this, there are no altars anymore for God, for us to burn sacrifice, which is what they did in the Old Testament. We don't have to do that anymore because we have the sacrifice of Jesus, right? And, And so Elijah just says this, all I have to do is so much. I build the altar. I partner with God that way. And I stand back now. I pour water on it so that we know it's not me. And I'm going to let God do the rest. Where are you not letting God do the rest? Where are you putting so much effort, so much thought, so much worry that it's, it's keeping you from, from standing back and seeing the miracles that God wants to do in your life. Where is that? I encourage you to go back to God's word and do what he asked you to do and stop. And this is the, the partnership between our free choice that God has given us and our will and God's sovereignty. God is able to do things without us, but many times he asks us to partner with him and do exactly what he says. Are you doing exactly what he says? Or are you trying too hard? Or are you just being lazy spiritually? Those are the two, the, 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 the two ex- extremes of this. And then here's the last thing. I love this. How many times did Elijah say to have water poured on the altar? Three times. He made sure that this was an impossible situation. Ironically, I kind of see Jesus in this. How many days was Jesus dead? Three. He rose again on the third day, didn't he? And you know, I bet the disciples were sitting there at the cross and going, This is impossible. How is he going to rise? I bet Elijah was sitting back after he did this and go, God, I have confidence in you, but this is nuts, <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is crazy. There's 450 prophets and a king and a queen in a nation that's going to kill me. It's going to kill me if this doesn't light on fire. And there were disciples sitting there going, I'm a I'm dead man if Jesus doesn't raise. I'm a dead man. I'm a liar. I'm a lunatic to everyone. And, and here's, what, here's the good news, and here's your next blank. Your impossible situation is the breeding ground for the power of God. Isn't that a great thing today? Your impossible situation is God's breeding ground for him to do something extraordinary, for you to ditch normal. So today, instead of looking at those impossible situations, see them as the breeding ground for God to do something great and do what he asks you to do and step back and trust him only. Here's your third and final blank. Part of ditching normal and living in God's power is also having the expectation of the magnificent. The expectation of, of the magnificent. Now this is difficult because life beats you down, doesn't it? It's hard to expect the great things, the magnificent things anymore. If you're like me, life has hit you hard a, a time or two in the gut, and, and you don't know what to do anymore. But here is here's what we need to move. We need to move from this this earthly thinking of, remember when you got married? Remember the day, like a couple weeks before you got married? You're like, I'm getting married. Some of you are like, oh no, I'm getting married, you know, but, but I'm getting married. And then, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, it's like, why did I get married? You know? Or, or what about, I'm having a baby. And then they become teenagers, right? And you're like, why did I have a baby? You know, and then you're all excited about a brand new shiny car. You go to the dealership, you get it, you're like, oh, I'll check out my car. And 10 years later, you're kicking, kicking the side going, why don't start, you piece of junk, you know? And life has this way of just kind of dulling us down and taking away uh, our, our dreams for the magnificent of what God can do and how he wants to use us and how he wants to overflow. But Elijah didn't suffer with this. Now, sometimes he did get depressed. Right after this, he gets depressed. If you read on later on in the week, if you want to do it, and then here in 1 Kings. But check out his expectation of the magnificent here. Verse 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at whose word? Your Your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. How amazing. Are you there? Are you standing there? And the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, this was the part he probably was waiting for, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. <whistles> what a day. <laughs> what a day. He had this expectation of the magnificent. And you may ask, where can I begin, Dave, if I've lost that sense of the amazing in this life? Where do I begin? It begins in relationship. Where did the fire start? The fire didn't start with his work on the the altar. The fire started when he walked up to God and said, God, I've done this at your word. He started talking to God, that it started when He and God developed this inseparable relationship, this trusting relationship, where they could have a conversation. And, and, and Elijah, for Elijah, it started this relationship started when he was willing to do things that weren't normal. What is God calling you to do that's not normal, that may cost you some time, that may cost you a little bit of street cred with your friends and family, may cost you a little bit of money even. What is God calling you to do? And more importantly, what is he calling you to do that's gonna allow his power to break through your life? Not just for you to do, but for God to, to come through you and in you and come out you. Because here's what we know about the expectation of the magnificent. Normal is broken in your life. You ready for this? Write it down or, or look at it, underline it. Normal is broken. It starts to crack, right? It starts to crack. When God breaks through your heart and your life, and and instead of doing things for God or to God or, or with God, God is now doing things through you. Do you see the difference? And this is when you can start to expect the magnificence. This is when you can start to expect God to break through in the places that you never thought could change. And here's the most important question. How do you know? We know when it's broken, when God breaks through, but how do you know when normal is gone? Look at verse 39. You know normal is gone when God is glorified and known because you take up air in this planet. Because you're breathing, because you live, people come to know God. Look at Elijah's face step and what happened. Now, when all the people saw it, what did they do? They fell on their faces, and they said what? The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. How, when is the last time you've taken such a step of faith where you've depended on God's power, and other people said, you know what? I know God is real, and he exists because of your step of faith. When is that time? This is not normal. God getting glory from our lives. Everything in this life fights against it. As we come to a time of response, I want to encourage you to take out your connection card. And as we're doing this, if you could throw Romans Romans 12.2 back up on the screen. Let's read Romans 12.2 aloud together one more time. Because this is the New Testament, how Paul says that, We are to ditch normal, live by God's power. One, two, three, let's read it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If everyone have your heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, if you walked in the room and you've been utilizing God so that you can just put band-aids and keep living a normal life, I want you to come before God today and say, God, will you let your fire fall in my life? Will you do the magnificent in me? All the while, God is greater and he wants to be greater in your life by his power, by him getting the glory, by him getting recognition from those around you and by you. And so today, as we come to this response time, I want to ask you to consider a couple of things on your connection card. You heard today that just like the water was poured three times, Christ was dead and then rose on the third day. And he did that He spilled his blood on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be free, so that the magnificent could happen in your life. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.